I would encourage you today, if you have a Bible nearby, uh, to go ahead and find it and turn to, to John chapter 15. Last week we talked about um, abiding or staying or remaining in the love of God. <clears throat> and that was uh, the Greek word meno, which is a verb, but it's a verb that means in a way to, to be passive, to, to, to remain and to stay is uh, something that we're trusting in someone else to do some work. And in John 15, the one who does the real work in us is the Father who is, who is the gardener. And in the next pass, part of John chapter 15, uh, Jesus talks about um, what abiding in Christ means and what it looks like. John chapter 15, I'm going to read verses 9 through 17. Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that my joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Abiding in Christ involves these three things, according to verses 9 through 17. It involves obeying God, obeying His commands. It involves loving God. It involves loving each other. In the Gospel of John and in the letters that John wrote, the, the letters of 1st, 2nd, 3rd John were... Um, it's the same person who wrote the Gospel of John. And we see over and over again in the Gospel and in those letters that obeying God's commands, loving others, and loving God, that they're all entwined and wrapped up together. In Jesus' mind, these, these three things were all the same thing. And it seems to me that of all of Jesus' disciples and of all the other biblical writers, John really grabbed hold of this idea that obeying God means loving each other. And obeying God means to love God. And to love others means to love God. And to love God means to love other people. And if you read through the, the Gospels and you look at those, those three different ideas of loving each other and loving God and obeying God, they're all intertwined with one another. In verse 10, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Interestingly, in the earlier chapter, Jesus says the same thing in reverse. If you love me, you will obey my commands. In 1 John chapter 5, 
He says, this is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. And so as we read through the Gospel of John and through these letters, um, all of these things are, are just interconnected with one another. In 1 John 4, verses 20 through 21, it says, If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he's given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. My point here is that obeying God and loving God and loving one another are so entwined in Jesus' mind and in John's mind that they are indistinguishable from one another. They're wrapped up together. You cannot love God if you don't obey God. You can't obey God if you don't love God. You can't love your neighbor if you're not obeying God. You can't obey God if you're not loving your neighbor. It's, this is all a part of what it means to abide in the love of Christ. And we can kind of enter into this circle in any part. And what does it mean for me to obey God today? Well, he's going to lead you to love your neighbor. He's going to lead you to a deeper love for God. What does it mean for me to love God today? He's going to lead you to learn to obey his commands. And he's going to lead you to learn how to love your, love your neighbor. What does it mean for me to love my neighbor today? Well, he's going to point you to his commands and show you what it means to obey his commands and the ways that those are ways for us to love our neighbor. And he's going to lead us. If we ask what it means to love our neighbor, he's going to show us the way that that actually calls us to love him. So this morning, I want us to sort of enter into this circle by asking the question, what does it mean for us to love each other? If you want to know whether you are growing in your love for God, whether or not you are, are abiding and remaining in Christ, if you want a, a barometer for whether or not you are, are abiding in Christ, the, the answer is found not primarily in whether or not you can look back on your week and say that you know, I've spent you know, 30 days in my quiet time every single day, although that's certainly a part of our relationship with God. The real evidence of our growth and our love for God and abiding in Him is to ask whether we are growing in our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ and for our neighbor. As you abide and rest in the love of Christ, the gardener is going to cause you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. And one of those, the fruit that He is bearing in your life, is growing in your life, is love. Paul has that list of the fruit of the Spirit, and it begins with, with love. And that's the fruit that Jesus focuses on here in John chapter 15 as he talks about us abiding in, in the vine, as he talks about us abiding in him, he turns and says that part of the, the fruit that he's going to bear in us is, is love. Love one another. The good gardener is, is at work in us right now during this very unique time in our lives. And if we remain in him, if we stay and abide and rest, and rest in his love for us, then he's going to do the good work of a good gardener and cause good things to grow in us. And one of the things that a gardener has to do is to weed, is to get things out of our lives that are choking out the good fruit. And so that's what a gardener does, is one of the things a gardener does is he has to, to, to pull out the weeds so that it doesn't choke out the, the plants and the fruit 
uh, that that need to grow. And there's there's one particular weed I think that God right now at this particular time is rooting out of most of our lives. There there's a, a weed that is present in most of our lives, and God wants to use this time to root it out of us. And that weed is hurry. The gardener is weeding out hurry. There are a million frustrations and inconveniences with what is going on right now, and I don't want to make light of any of that, but part of the gift of this time for most of us, for most of us, is that we are being forced to slow down. And so one of the weeds of our lives that the good gardener wants to weed out is the weed of hurry, because love is incompatible with hurry. Jesus was very rarely in a hurry. If you think about Jesus' life or about some of the stories that he told about what it meant to love his neighbor or when he was demonstrating love for someone, that demonstration of love required him or the person in his story to slow down. The best example is probably the story of the Good Samaritan. We have two good religious people who are in a hurry to get to something good, to some other good work, and they rushed past the person who was in need. So the one who was a good neighbor, the one who loved their neighbor, was the person who was willing to slow down and to meet the person who was in need. Or think about the story of, of Jesus and the woman who had the problem with bleeding. A couple couple folks over Facebook today mentioned this uh, this story where Jesus was was in a crowd of people and and somebody came to him and said that my daughter is is dying and Jesus in his compassion started to walk toward that that person's house to go and to presumably heal heal this daughter and then while he's going on his way he feels a woman reach out and gla- grab his cloak and Jesus slows down and he looks at her, and he cares for her. And you can only imagine how everyone around him, especially the person who has a sick daughter, is just wanting him to hurry, just get to the house and heal my daughter. But he slows down. He cares for this woman. He is not in any hurry at all. And he sees her, and he heals her. We can think about other times in in Jesus' life where there were crowds and crowds of people who were wanting to hear him speak or wanting him to heal. And the disciples, we get the sense in the Gospels, the disciples are frantically looking for Jesus. Where did he go? And Jesus was alone with the Father in quiet places, not in any hurry. Jesus was able to love other people well because he was almost never in a hurry. Dallas Willard says, Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. The reason is that we cannot love well if we are always in a hurry. Loving other people well requires us to give, for us to give them our attention. I remember very clearly an experience I had when I was in seminary. I went to meet with a 
uh, one of my professors, and he was uh, my professor for pastoral counseling. And we met at a Starbucks, and I don't think, I don't remember what I was talking to him about. I don't think it was really about anything all that important. But Dr. Sattler was sitting across from me just a few feet away. Um, we weren't social distancing at that time, so it was probably three or four feet rather than six. But there he was, and as I was talking, I was you know, kind of looking around the room and talking, and I looked at him, and his hands were, were folded quietly in his lap, and his eyes were just directly on my face. And I just had this sense that I was, I was loved and that I had his full attention. And I think that for a lot of us, that's what we, that's what we desire in our relationships with other people, is that we would have, have their attention. And that in return, that we would be able to give them our attention, that we wouldn't be in a hurry with one another. In John chapter 15, Jesus describes love as laying down your life for your friends. And of course, Jesus is giving us a clue to what he's just about to do in laying down his life for his disciples and for all of us. But what does that look like in our day-to-day lives? If I were to give up my life for someone, I can only do that one time, of over, right? Um, so what would it mean for us to day-to-day express love by laying down our life for our friends? There are probably a lot of different answers that we can give to that. But I think that one thing that it means for us is that we would slow down and not hurry and to give our attention to someone else, to give people the dignity of our, of our attention. In my conversations with people over the last week, with our church staff, with some other pastor friends of mine, with Katie, and a couple of the interviews that we had on, on the pilot's voice over this past week, what I keep hearing over and over again is that people are seeing this, this as a time to reorient the rhythms of our life. And I think most of us would admit that there are, are patterns and routines and habits in our life that don't contribute to bearing the fruit of love. In, in our life, either love for God or love for our neighbor or our brothers and sisters in Christ. There is, for many of us, something about the pace of our lives that needs to change if we're going to bear the fruit of love for God and love for other people. And so for all of the frustrations and disappointments and real heartaches of this time, there is some good weeding that is happening right now in our life. And uh, some, some bearing good fruit that God wants to do in us. And so I just want to finish by um, closing with, with three suggestions about some different kinds of rhythms that we can enter into in this time so that God can bear this fruit of love in us and to help us to ruthlessly eliminate hurry in our life. And the first is to be spending regular time of silence and solitude with God. One of the things that we see in the rhythm of Jesus' own life is that he often withdrew to quiet places with the Father. That time of quiet with the Father, it changes our perspective and our approach and our posture towards the world. If, If our day begins and is filled with and then ends with 
texts and emails and news and social media, then it will be those things that set our agenda and that set our mindset for the day. But if our day allows for, begins with, throughout the day has time for, ends with time alone in solitude with God, He can begin to change our agenda for our day and our perspective for our day. Help us to see the world in the way that He wants us to see it. This is is the way that we begin to move into that circle of abiding with Christ that can then produce love for other people, that will give us the ability to slow down in a really hectic world or a time when there's a lot of fear and anxiety for us to see this world as, as God sees it by creating a rhythm in our life of silence and solitude with God. A second suggestion would be uh, to, to take a walk with a friend. It seems like a really simple thing, but I think it's something that can be really valuable and important and worthwhile for us right now. Uh, there were a few of us that went to a mental health conference um, a few months back, and one of the speakers said that the speed of love is three miles per hour, because that's how fast people walk. And I think that's a really good description of the kind of relationships that we are trying to foster here at Broadway Christian Church. To remember that the speed of love is three miles an hour, it's simply walking alongside one another as we walk along in our own lives and as we pursue Christ together. If you're not able to get out or if you can't take a walk, uh, phone calls are really valuable right now. Um, There may be even people in your life who you wouldn't normally call, but because of the circumstances, you can pick up the phone. It wouldn't be a strange thing to call and say, hey, I just wanted to check in with you right now to see how you are doing and to give that person the dignity of your attention and your listening to them and express your love for them in that way. A last suggestion of a way to love our neighbors. I don't know about your neighborhood, but in my neighborhood, a lot of people, especially on a sunny day, there are a lot of families, uh, a lot of individuals out for walks. And uh, I think this is a great time for us to pause and to listen to our neighbors and to be with them and to to listen about what's going on in their life, to ask how we can pray for them and to get to know them better that there could be ways for us to begin to plant seeds now in our relationships with our neighbors that will bear good fruit later. People are open. They're listening. Some of them are scared. Some of them are hurting. Uh, some of them need our prayer. And we have an opportunity now to express our, our love for them by pausing and by listening to them and to give them um, our attention, to not be in a hurry with the neighbors that we, that we live near. Would you, would you join me in prayer as we finish today? Lord, thank you, for, thank you for being a good gardener that, that prunes and that weeds and that causes us to bear good fruit. And I pray, Lord, that you would bear the, the fruit of love in our lives, that as we seek to obey you, that you would increase in us love for you and love for each other. God, for each of my brothers and sisters who are listening this morning, I pray you would show them uh, the rhythms of life that you're calling them to. 
that would begin to eliminate hurry from their life and to bear the good fruit of love. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.